You are listening to a production of the Toe Network, home of Biting Analysis. This is Laser Knees number 68, that melancholy feeling. I'm Aleph. And I'm Sono. And this is Thief Sentai Lupin Ranger versus Police Sentai Pot Ranger, episode 17, Hidden Feelings, and 18, The Collection Secret. Our writer for 17 is Arakawa Naruhisa. Yeah! Our director is Watanabe Katsuya. And our writer for 18 is Kaneko Kaori, and our director is Nakazawa Shojiro. Oh, so that wasn't Kimura Junko. Oh, good. <laughs> I feel I, I feel so much less bad about how annoyed I got at parts of that episode. It is somewhat reassuring. Yeah. The, okay. Like, I'm not, I'm sorry to spoil everything, dear listener. I, I, I actually think quite a lot of 18 was quite good, but... There are some bits that just... Parts of it. Just, just thankfully. Thankfully, just little parts. But we'll, we'll get to that. I'm sorry. Uh, Sona, why don't you start us off with uh, your your main takeaway from these episodes? Okay, I mean, I'm, I'm mostly going to talk about 17, because that was the episode that was way more interesting to me. Um, yes, yeah, same. Because for all that there is a lot of serious problems with Saki's view on women and how he interacts with them literally any time he interacts with them. Uh, this episode with Keitro and Mana was really very charming and kind of a relief that this show can do interactions between men and women that aren't horrifying. And I mean, it's, again, it's an Arakawa episode and that's unsurprising because it kind of very much breathes his aesthetic and style and the kind of charming tone of the early 2000s, which again, just, you know, my favorite era of Sentai is the, the like 2004 to 2007 area. But uh, it's it's hard to say if awkwardly uncomfortable romances are just a, a shortcoming of Komura's writing in general. But on a narrative, like, not so much meta level, it does really paint a stark contrast between Keitro and Sakuya. In that one is, one is good, and the other just sucks so bad. Yeah, pretty much. Because, um, I mean, the amount of respect that Keitro has for both his job and Mana and her goals and just her as a person, is really apparent in how he views their potential relationship and why he decides not to pursue it. His job is dangerous, and if he isn't focused on it, he's going to put civilians at risk. And he has to spend a lot of time on his job. We've seen him working longer hours than necessary, and we've seen him nearly die trying to make sure his job gets done. Oh, you mean like that time where he almost died trying to save a field trip for an ungrateful 10-year-old. This is what he does. And dealing with that is a lot to ask for from someone else, especially someone else you're in a relationship with, and especially one who's pursuing her own dream on a different continent, and therefore not only can't be there to, like, give support after, you know, he's done this really hard job and it's nice to have your partner there to unwind with but also like she can't be present when he gets himself poisoned and almost dies and that's super stressful if you're on another continent and you get a call from your partner's like 
work colleague like, yeah, he's kind of in the hospital dying right now. Also, this isn't the only time this is gonna happen. Yeah, this is gonna happen kind of on the reg. And, you know, Keitra decides that's a burden he doesn't want to put on Mana, and he doesn't want to really put that on either of them. And Mana does seem to understand and accept that. We see her happily accept his well wishes when she's when he's like, hey, you're you're going really far away to pursue this dream. I'm gonna wish you all the best. And she mimics that same gesture back at him, even though he's not there to receive it, when she's at the airport reading the news about him completing this dangerous mission. She understands his decision and respects it, and I appreciate that she doesn't seem to show any kind of resentment toward him for picking his- like, thinking that he picked his job over her. Because that's not really what it was. And instead, they kind of offer each other their support as friends and people that care about each other and go separate ways to pursue their own goals. And as much as Umika kind of is pushing for this happy fairy tale ending between them, which kind of suits the more whimsical, instinctual nature of the Lupin Rangers, Keitra is a pot ranger. He's practical and he's grounded in reality. And he says himself, he knows this is not the ideal. Like, he he would love to be able to try and have this relationship with her, but he knows that it would be difficult and stressful and would probably become unhealthy. And he clearly cares enough about Mana, romantically or not, that he doesn't want that for them. And it's just, we've, we've had so many years of Sentai with these uncomfortable romance plots that are just kind of shoved in there... And just kind of place women around as objects for men. And I'm looking at you, Kyoryuja. I see you. And I'm mad forever. Especially since, uh, was it Omori? Like, has literally said, like, look, I just want this lady to be a thing he gets at the end of his mission. And it's just, you know, we've had so many of those. I mean, like, we had kind of the stuff in Zuoger and... Like, there's just been so much of it over the years, even in some good Sentai. Like, it's not- not every Sentai is innocent with this, but, like, be it through some kind of intentional malice or not, normally, like, it's nice to kind of depart from that and have this very sweet, caring portrayal of two people just being like, hey, could this work? And then being like, mm, it kind of can't we're going to do what's what's kind of best for us. Yeah, and it's it's episodes like that where you remember that Narhis Arakawa was the head writer of Gokaiger and like for me more you know of interest here as I keep bringing up Common Rider Kuga, which has some of the best idealistic police characters but also one of the great and subtle tokusatsu love stories between a police officer and a karate bug monster demon who is also a brave young adventurer poet. Because, like, seriously, the, that whole episode, 17, I was... All I could think of was that this was Ichijo Kaoru year one. It this was is the first, very Ichijo. Yeah, this is, like, the first romance. He's like, ah, you know, I, I just can't, I can't have, I can't bring you into my world, and it could work, we connect, we're connected, but... This is just one of those things where we're going to look back in like five years like, could that have worked? I wonder. Just, it's 
but yeah, lest I begin just quoting you back at you, Sono, um, I just I'm just gonna jump onto the good striker stuff from 18 in the context of some earlier discussions we've had over on the Uncommon Cast that that I've been sort of yelling about on Twitter because I just keep hearing stuff about Detroit become human and I have look this is all touching on stuff I have a lot of feelings about because in 18 they had this interesting discussion you know that was of course uh, genre appropriate and audience appropriate but still about the line between a person and a thing and frankly that's an area of fascination and interest to me because oh dang does it highlight the power of language to shape our minds and perspectives because 18 is all about these two groups of people basically trying to impose their desires on everyone's favorite capricious free-floating jet car, and I just couldn't shake how R.C. and Lupin actually shows up on screen in a flashback, but, you know, to basically say out loud that, yeah, hey, Goody, you're not a thing that is to be kept, owned, commanded, or even stolen by someone. Goody, you're a person. And a lot of the episode is just these two groups learning that no matter... What it is they want from Goody with regard to their conflicts with one another and the gangler, Goody's purpose is all at once smaller and bigger than this fight with the 4D Mafia because his job is to protect all of the mini-MacGuffins that drive every episode. And it's clear that for mysterious reasons, he has thus far been prevented from doing that job and has nothing to go on for how he goes about getting his friends back, but his gut feeling of which of these two feuding sentai are going to be able to help him out in that moment. Which, I don't know, for me, it makes it it makes Goody kind of a thematic blending of the two teams. He's, he's bound by duty to protect the innocent, but also there to reclaim all his lost friends who've been taken from him, in, in what's kind of looking... Like it might be related to that same ice flower jerk who took the Lupin's loved ones, and by somehow combining with his equally capricious friends, he can turn into something greater than himself, uh, and and go and do the thing he set out to do, which is, I don't know, it's just this neat clunky way that we're talking about the relatively arbitrary lines we draw between person and non-person just by showing this adorable floating jet car and making it clear to us that he's just doing the best he can do while being like six inches across and not having hands of his own, even when he turns giant, which necessitates him having to lean on people for support. He's a, he's a good striker, Brent. That's, that's a meme we haven't busted out in a while. Oh, it's our favorite, though. It you know, it really is. Uh, so, just having got some some main thoughts out of the way, uh, let's get to our problems and nitpicks and just kind of get that done, too. Okay, so as much as I love Seventeen and I think it's very cute, we do have that moment of Sakuya just running up and fawning over this photo book of Umika and asking for her autograph. And it does remind me that her actress is a newly retired idol, and man, I just wish he would stop. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, no kidding. Why do we keep having idle things in, in this stuff? We don't, it doesn't need to be here. <laughs> but also it just highlighted for me how the limits of the the Baku monster's dreams are just so weird and arbitrary. Like, 
couldn't he have just had a dream about being contented or something instead of just continually hounding this one girl he knows? I mean, I was I was thinking maybe he could be dating like a fake Umika, but then I realized that's actually a thousand times grosser. So I'm glad that didn't happen. But um, it does kind of just highlight that even Naruhisa he's Arakawa can't make Sakuya good. I mean, I guess it's the least gross of ways that Arakawa could have done it. Like, he had, uh. to, he had to show Sakuya was in the dream, and there's literally nothing else that Sakuya has going on. So, like, at least Omeka kind of kept all of her personal agency in the situation. Like, it's, it's Which... not like he was dating a fake Umeka or, like... Yeah. In his mind, he like in his version of the dream, her being there, like he's dating her. She's able to just like, nope, I'm out. Bye. Yep, no. You keep you do you, buddy. Which is, yeah, he sucks so bad. He really does. He's so again, Naruhisa Naruhis Arakawa, who has done an ex, who's spent the last. Uh, 20 years-ish, writing tokusatsu adventure shows where you learn to like the cops. He can't make me like Sakuya. That's, like, wow. Whoever made, whoever decided that this is who Sakuya was gonna be, just tanked him. Yeah, like, I feel like Arakawa doesn't even like Sakuya. He's like, this is not, this is not worth redemption. I, I have to agree. Like, this is not worth me making an effort towards redeeming him. Oh, I mean, especially not in the episode that is the most, like, beautiful, heartbreaking thing I've ever seen in a Sentai show. Except for, again, his other, like, my my favorite of his Sentai things, Kuga, where I was crying about the cop in a completely different way by the end. We all love for, Ichijo so much. Ichijo, man. Look, like it's it's the sh it's like it's a show where I spent a lot of times going like, wow, I'm really rooting for these cops. What the hell? It's a weird thought. I, yeah, but it's it's the bit where like it's my favorite thing, but where you just get the two cops and they're just holding up this baggie with just a pair of of glasses in it. They're like, well, who's gonna tell his wife? Like, cause and and it's just we don't see this dude's face, but they're just holding, I'm guessing, the only piece of him they could find that was not covered in blood or torn to shreds because that's what the groggy do. Yup. And just, like, I don't know, They it's one of the few shows where the bad guys murder a lot of people, and the show, like, drives it home, like, no, these people are murdered. <laughs> they are so dead. And it's, it's a nightmare. Um, hey, everyone. Even though like the the proper high definition versions have not been subbed. Go find the midnight the old midnight subs one. Even even on like the bad compression video files, it's... it is so worth it. We love Kuga. In case y'all yeah. weren't aware. Yeah, the fact that look and and the fact that I keep feeling like I can bring it up in this show and in build. That's not me, like, that's not me trying to make them sound better by adding in something cool. This is like me saying, 
these are pieces or series or full, you know, episodes. These these shows haven't finished yet, so I can't say for certain, but there are bits of it that can stand up to the best common writer, which is saying something. Because, like, you know, we can all fight about which one is is our favorite. I maintain that common writer Kuga is the best one. Yeah, and I mean, like, Kuga's not my favorite. It is no, the best one, either. though. Yeah, it, it, like my it favorite is. is Forza. My favorite is Forza, and and like O's Kuga, Black. They, you know, these are all sort of just right up there at the top. But as far as as structure and in thematic cohesion and just being a story, Kuga Kuga just why it's just it is the one. Anyway. Um, I suppose we should probably keep on Sentai before I just start going on on about how great Kuga is again. Back to things that aren't so great. Um, yeah, that's really all we've got for seventeen, I think. But uh, I, I in, couldn't, I couldn't think of anything else. In in eighteen, just, except that it made me cry. Yeah, and that is rude. Um, in eighteen, I know Jim is a robot, and that's pr- probably the reason for this. But I was kind of mad that Sakuya, like, made tea for everyone and he's going around giving it to everyone and Jim doesn't get anything. Like, I know he doesn't have a mouth and doesn't drink tea because he's full of electronics, but, like, Sakuya doesn't even acknowledge him. And it felt really rude. That is rude. Boy, I am glad I missed that when I went through and watched because, um, I did not need another reason to hate Sakuya. (laughs) Because it's, it's he doesn't even he like sucks. say hi to him. Yeah, like you could be like, honestly, it'd be a great bit of characterization if he's like, if he just would put the tea there, and Jim could be like, I don't, look, I don't drink tea. Yeah, but it felt, you know, you could. You're part a of the team. Of characterization, it's just right there. Like, if he acknowledges him and apologizes, do you even like tea? You know, just an interaction. But no, Sakuya sucks, so that doesn't happen. Man, eventually there's just going to be an episode, like, there's going to be a bit, I just know it in my gut, where there's going to be a two-parter that focuses on Sakuya, and we just call that episode, yeah, this guy sucks. Sakuya. Ah, ooh, nice. (laughs) I'm ashamed I didn't come up with that. I get, get like, one pun a month. Um... Okay, one. so this is... I'm not sure this is bad, but right now it feels more like a hole than a, a thing that I'm curious about. Like, it's I'm bothered by the fact that I don't know what's going on. I'm not, like, interested. Okay. So I'm gonna put it here, because it bothers me more than, than anything else. I'm 100% willing to believe Zamigo is somehow leaking like, police information to the gangler. Because I've been suspecting a leak for a while now, uh, since the whole uh, bike helicopter thing. Mm. And, you know, Zamigo is too central and, like, hasn't really done anything yet to not be part of that. So I, I'm fine with that on its own. But I can't fathom how he's getting that information, because he doesn't seem like the type to go around, like, pretending to be human and not leaning into this, like, tundra cowboy aesthetic he's got going on. 
And there's no way that he's walking around the police office like that with no one being like, hmm, that's a little weird. Or, or even just, like, you could never convince me that Keichiro wouldn't start, like, even if he wasn't being in that costume in the precinct or headquarters or whatever, if he's anywhere around Keichiro, Keichiro would start noticing, hey, this this weird guy who looks just like that, the, the cowboy plant cosplayer, sure is around a lot. What's up with that? Because, I mean, look, our boy Keichiro... He is, um, he's really smart. He puts things together real good. He should be a detective. Because, uh, I mean, he is halfway there to, to understanding that the, figuring out who the Lupins are, even with their alibi. He's just, he's, he's very good. You'd have to explain to me how he missed it. Except, like, I guess if it's at, uh, the headquarters that I think are in France? Question mark? Well, there, there's a headquarters in France, but okay. that's not it's like not the headquarters. Yeah, Z- Zamigo is somehow like getting this information from the same office that they're in. Yeah, that's unless he like turns into their refrigerator. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, like, like I just now I'm gonna have to. <gasps> Wait, is he secretly the bonsai tree that Hilltops had the past couple episodes? He's had that from the beginning, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah! I mean, I- maybe. Look, this is my dumb theory just out of the blue, but- Maybe. <laughs> that- I mean, he, he is some sort of plant thing, and they've been having it be very in the foreground, but it's also like, well, we need- we want Commander Hilltop to have something to do with his hands, so it's it could also just be that, because, hey, he does bonsai. That's actually a character thing. Yeah. I mean, may- maybe. It's just, like, it's bugging me. I'm just like, how- how is he getting- how is the most conspicuous person in Japan right now <laughs> getting this, like, highly sensitive information? Yeah, that's- that's fair. That's fair. Um, but this is- this is really the main issue that I had- um, Keichiro says they're gonna steal Good Striker from the Lupin Rangers, and I refuse to believe that Keichiro, of all people, would ever steal under any circumstances. Like, this dude is King Justice, and hates crime, and stealing is a crime. Like, the littering I can kinda let pass because, you know, it is a crime and it's a problem and you can't do it. It's not something that you'd think of right away as being, like, a crime? As opposed to just, like, rude. Yeah, it's just like, hey, don't throw your trash places. But stealing? Like, you go to jail for stealing. Fine, like, littering you get fined for. Stealing you go to jail. And that's literally, like, his whole problem with the Lupin Rangers. Because that's the only thing they do. They don't do anything other than steal. And it's it's hard to believe Keitra would be okay with with doing to the Lupin Rangers what he gets so mad at the Lupin Rangers for doing. And it kind of just flies in the face of everything he's been built up to. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I suppose I can kind of see where they're coming from as far as him thinking of it as taking something back from the Lupins. Or if he'd been saying that they must have hypnotized... Like, if there's a bit where he's like, we have to stop them from hypnotizing Goody. We have to protect Goody from them. But that's not 
what happened. Which, yeah, like you said, it's it's weird. One of those moments from before... It, it's like from earlier on in the show where he gets so into stopping the Lupins more than he's thinking about just how he has to protect the people. Because it's, it's just... It, it feels like an, a, a previous characterization that we've moved past. Yeah, and it, it's... Like, he outright says, we're gonna steal him from the Lupin Rangers. And I'm like, yeah. dude, that is not how you do things. Yeah, no, it's it's not. It's just not how he do. And even even if I was to, to go in with that hand wave of, like, he's stealing from the thieves, um, I, I guess to sort of piggyback on that, you know, Pat Rangers, that bit where you just grabbed him out of the air and shoved him on your gun, like, he was... He was not feeling that, and you guys just treated him like a thing. And I'm, I am not, I'm not here for that. It's not good. Yeah, it it really was less than cool, and I didn't really think about it in the moment beyond like, hey, that's rude. Because um, I was kind of so wrapped up in in Goody's story. Oh yeah, and I mean... the, this whole like this whole you know bit of Goody being a person. But, like, Goody said no. Respect that. And, I mean, I get the urgency of there's this big old monster right here made of guns who at three o'clock is gonna fight us whether we're in a giant robot or not. And, you know, that they don't want to let the Lupins do it because Keichiro is the police. Um, but Goody said no. Yeah. And just all I can think is, hey, when has Goody ever failed to stop the monster trust him guys he knows what he's about honestly just i i expect better from keichiro i really do and it was why i was so happy earlier to find out that this was not a junko kimura episode because i'm just, i was so afraid that she lost it and but just whatever happened like this show is so lucky that the preceding episode was that arakawa joint and that there's some sick fights in this episode because I I would have to rethink my position on the Pat Rangers, and I I don't want to do that because I'm very happy that like for all I I am personally temperamentally it's 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 the same thing with with like Forza and Kuga. The Pat Rangers are the best. Lupin Rangers are still kind of my favorite, but the Pat Ranger but the Pat Rangers are objectively the better Sentai in this. They're just Kyrie is nothing on Keichiro, man. He just nothing. No, even even with how much better he's getting. Yeah, look, the kid playing Kyrie is great. He's very good at what he does. He ha and, and like he has a very compelling source of angst and their goal they're driving towards. Yada yada yada. But I mean, Kate Keichiro just he he got yelled at by a girl because he didn't go after he didn't go after a girl who was romantically interested in him, and he's just like, look, I know it's not ideal. But it's 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 the only it's how I am. I don't know how to be any way else. And um, like I'm going to talk about that so much later. But at that moment, just Kyrie has never killed me like that. Yeah. <laughs> Kyrie's got me excited. He's got me into it. He has never made me weep. And since we're we're talking about the nice things, um, I'm I'm so sorry to just like jumped way ahead. But uh, let's let's talk about the the other good things in seventeen. And then I'll just kind of get into that a bit more later. Okay, well, I mean, speaking of, of Keichiro and and this relationship with Mana, I really enjoy the sort of normalcy that the the cold open of this episode kind of gives 
to the Pot Rangers and also the Lupin Rangers, kind of having social contact outside of being Sentai. Like, Keitro and Umika seem to both have talked to Mana before this conversation that we're coming into, and that they do so regularly. And, you know, they've- everyone else has kind of been following this, like, will she ask Keitro out saga with some interest. Like, it- it starts happening and everyone kind of moves toward the camera and is like, oh man, it's happening. And, like, she's not a person the cast is meeting for the first time. She's not someone that, like, there's not a fight in the beginning of the episode and Keitro saves her and then she's kind of pursuing him the rest of the episode. She's just another regular at Jurer, and they've been all going there long enough that she's made friends with him. And is like, oh, we have the same taste in music, let's exchange records. And, you know, they, they talk to each other, and they're friends. And it and makes... they're both vinyl nerds. Yeah. Just, like, hey, you have a record player, right? I'm like, what's going on? Because I... I'm sorry, you're, you're talking about it now, and I'm just realizing, wait... That is such a deep level of very specific nerdery. I it totally makes sense that that's what they would connect over. Yeah, and like it's it makes this world feel a little more solid that other people exist in it for longer than twenty three minutes at a time. Yeah, yeah, and and the idea that there is just this lady out there now, who just will sometimes be thinking about, hey, it was a it was a shame I never actually got to date that that intense nerdy handsome police officer before getting back you know and then she's like oh yeah that's a shame and then she gets just back on with her life like i don't know this is really sweet like you say the 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 world is more real it's bigger it's more emotionally present after this episode than it was before because all the all the little stories about just little people who who aren't massive superheroes who save the world and and smash wrote smash evil with a giant robot like that means things generally and particularly in this world and the show agrees with us on that and i love it also you know getting getting back to what you just said like keitro has interests that aren't just stopping crime he has a hobby he likes classical music and it's not just like he doesn't just buy cds he buys vinyls there's so many little things about that that speak to his personality like he he has he wants this music a certain way there's a certain aesthetic to it that he enjoys he's not he's he's someone who rebels against like no i don't want digital because if he has a vinyl player if you're this kind of into it you then don't go for digital speakers for instance you go analog everything because you you lose something in the translation or at least that is the thing that i have always been told yeah, no, and is he's like, oh, like sit sit with this piece of music alone and really let it sink in and think about it. Yeah, like he's such a nerd. Th- like that speaks so much to who he is outside of being this police officer fighting these interdimensional like gangsters. Arakawa's just really fleshed him out so much more as a character than I ever expected him to be. And I mean, the other, the other writers on the show have done it too, but just these these handful of Arakawa episodes. I mean, yeah. It just, every little touch adds so much. I uh, didn't mean to rhyme there. But just, we've had a few Keichiro episodes in just the, the past while. I am surprised by how much I love it and, and love him as a character. 
I, I guess they they sort of like understood that the first instinct of a lot of people is like, yeah, lupins. And they just said, I mean, sure, lupins, but also going by the book can be pretty intense too, you guys. And uh, and it is. And it's just like, I was, I was ready to kind of, I was, I feel like I was kind of predisposed to love the Pot Rangers because Sukasa exists I'm and sure. they have the green, which is a betrayal. I've been betrayed, but it's been probably since Gokaiger that I've been this enthusiastic about in, in the red. In a way, he, he is like the, he is the lawful good version of Captain Marvelous. 100% chaotic good. Kind of, and it's it's weird because like Marvelous, like I love I love Marvelous. Don't get it twisted, but he's not my favorite member of the Gokaijers. Like he's he's kind of not even top three because I just love. There are other members of yeah, the well, Gokaijers no, that yeah. I just love so much. I mean, he's definitely not at the bottom, and I love him. I love him dearly, with all of my soul. I love Captain Marvelous. I, it's well, just that's legit though. Man, I love uh, him and Don, <laughs> and and Joe. Look, look, like they're Joe had to, they're kind of my nebulous to, top like, three. Free his friend's soul. Um, but I love. Like if if you don't love Joe, I don't know. I just I don't know what I would say to someone. But it's it's just like it's it's uh, him and Don are kind of the nebulous first spot, and and Marv and Joe are kind of the nebulous second place. But it's, I've never felt this attached, I haven't felt this attached to a red since Gokaiger. And, like, I love Wright, but I never got that attached to him the way I did, like, Hikari and Akira and Wagon. But, because, like, liking them and getting attached is a really different sort of thing. Oh, yeah. It is. I like a lot of Sentai members. I am attached to Balance and Naga. <laughs> Yeah, it's there's a very short list of red Sentai members that I'm attached to. Yeah, it no, I it might that. be less than five, but Keichiro's definitely in there. But uh, you know, back back to to this man, Umika really does move fast on the rebound, doesn't she? She ain't got time to mess around. Like, oh, he didn't he didn't want to come over and listen to the record. I'll come over and listen to the record. Um, but I do, I love the, the, like, taper as Dream Eater myth, and this monster not only is, like, designed around that, but the design is also just really cool looking. Yeah, you never think you're gonna see a cool Baku suit, because, like, the taper is usually kind of a, it, it, it's one of the, the, like, uglier or grosser or vaguely comedic suits they get, but this one was, like, it was really cool. It was like hot pink, and it, I don't. Know, it was just... kind of like Kazari, but hot pink and a taper. Yeah, yeah. I I had not made the O's connection, but you are hundred percent there, dude. Like he's he's got like the hair, yeah, and the 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 blocking is kind of the same. Like it was a cool suit. Yeah, yeah. This and again, this is the first time I've ever, I've ever wanted to like high five the design team for the for the Tapir monster because they're just they're usually just not cool um i do i really love the bit where like umika sits them down at the table and she's like here here's some tea so y'all will be less nervous and keisha just chugs it 
He just drinks the whole thing all at once. Like, it's a big cup, too, and he just downs it. It, it just... Again, Keichiro is somehow my favorite dude, and I... I don't know how, like, I would not know how to feel about it if, if, if it wasn't Arakawa. Like, I know Arakawa didn't write all the moments that made me love Keichiro, but he's certainly helping. Man, I relate to Ramen Dream Guy, though. Like, I feel like if I was put in that situation, I would also be like, I just want to eat ramen forever. I mean, look, good ramen is, that is, that is magical. Like go- going out for ramen is one of my favorite things, and I'm I'm lucky that I now have a a good ramen place near me. Man, I I am so jealous. Um, it's like it's not close enough that I could go there super regularly, uh, because I can't yeah, I could I wouldn't be able to walk to it, and I can't drive. But mm. it's very close. It's like maybe ten fifteen minutes away from me. Nice. So it's like I relate. I want to be that guy. But speaking of the dream, I also love that Tsukasa's dream is just go home and lay down and hug soft things. Like, they didn't give her just a random pile of stuffed animals. That's the bed we've seen in her house. Laid out with her stuffed animals, including the the bread panda that Umika gave to her. Like, you can see it in the pile. and it's oh, just, I it's, that. it's some very cute consistency. And it's so fitting for Sukasa, whose life is so difficult, that she's like, my my best case scenario is that I get to go home and take a nap. Yep. Take a nap amongst all my soft, cuddly friends. And I just, again, like, I like how even in the dream world, where, where Umika is just kind of like, what is up with all these people? <laughs> she just, like, she's not thinking about giving Tsukasa crap for it, and and no one else does ever either, and it's, um, I still like that. Yeah. She's, she's self-conscious about it, but no one makes that the joke. Yeah, no, I, I do love that everyone that knows her is just like, no, this is who Tsukasa is, and we respect that. And we definitely respect it, but even if we didn't, she would snap us in half if we laughed at her, so we're not going to. That's, yeah, yeah. Though, again, I appreciate it that they're just professionals that way. But boy, something tells me that Saki would have a laugh about it. And I kind of hope he does, so she can just just slam his face into a wall. Slam dunk him into the garbage. Yep, because, um, hey, I don't know if uh, you've, you've noticed, dear listener, but um, Saki sucks real bad. Yeah, we're mad. <laughs> I just do not like him. I, I, do, I do love that Keitro is like the neighborhood police officer like the one that he idolized and that he's just like, oh, there's no crime. Everyone is happy. I can just I can just go out and be part of the community. Oh, I love it so much. Like, not not only do I love that that's the route they took him in, because of course that's the route they took him in, but I I love stories or or episodes in in the sense of like as part of a larger bunch of stories where you get the sorts of characters whose big dream is is the peaceful world where everything is good and everyone is happy and then they have to be the ones to break the dream to solve the real problems like the allure of the dream trap is that you don't have to do that you don't have to feel bad 
but then you get someone in there whose commitment to stopping crime is such that it just the thought of crime will wake him from a coma and he will drag himself across the town to stop a crime just like he throws himself into the bad feel that is living in a world with all these stupid needless crimes that people keep doing and he he throws away his own happiness to protect real people like i i love me some arakawa hero cops it's it's not that they're like super hardcore and they can't be stopped it's it's that they just want everyone to be happy and free of exploitation and harm and it's it's the simple idealistic almost naive version of the police that i i really love i love it look they're they're few and far between but they're they're good cops yeah i just again i kind of hate it because i'm like why do i like these cops i <laughs> i also i really love that as soon as he like kind of snaps out of the dream affecting him they change his makeup so that he's like he comes in and he's all happy and fresh-faced and then he gets snapped out of this by Umika and then he's like really pale and he's got these dark circles under his eyes and it's this really subtle thing and it's only for a couple of seconds so like they did really didn't need to do it but it makes it really noticeable that he's not only been affected by the dream but that he's snapped out of it yeah i i hadn't thought about that so much but that's a good catch and i mean it makes kind of sense because everyone else gets to wake up when the dream is over but keichiro our dude got woke up in the middle of the dream and not in a fun way and that that is not what you might call a restful way to wake up yeah poor dude our that poor dude (laughs) I also love the the trope of, you know, being being in the dream world and having to break out and leaving the idealized dream to go back to the the bad stuff. But I I love this one in particular because you break out of the dream world very literally. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. and I feel like they took the 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 breaking the underworld CG from Wizard and kind of a- adjusted it to have like bullet holes. Ooh. Good call. I'm I mean, like, that looks it, familiar. And it's not like Toei doesn't like to reuse some stuff where they can. Waste not, want not, I guess. Yeah, I mean, like, look, they have it. Um, yeah, exactly. And and sort of speaking up on that sort of thing, only, I guess, in a, in a good way, it's not a bad thing that they reused it. But anyway, just sort of, like, spinning out from there, I like that they, that the fight music during the giant robot fight against the Tapir is is the same song that Mana and Keichiro were kind of bonding over except you know it's it's the it's the fight song remix and that's uh that's that's real that's a real good reuse like i confess it's one of those bits where i i unfairly want to say that it it was an arakawa idea cuz like look you just don't see that thing half as often as you might and Dang it, it feels like the kind of thing he would put down. This is, of course, the purest nonsense bit of conjecture, but it just, it feels like a thing he'd do. It'll probably turn out to be one of uh, Watanabe Katsuya's ideas, and I'm a jerk, 
but I'm an Arakawa fan also. Yeah. So. I mean, like, he did write this episode centered around this song, and it could have just been kind of like a group idea where they're like, oh, what if, like, this song is really important to the episode and the moment? Is there a way we can further incorporate this? Yeah, because that's, that's like the song in his heart when he's not when he's not pursuing this lovely young woman. Yeah, I, I don't even know. It's just, it's sad. It's so, it's not sad, it's bittersweet. It, it sucks. But also, it makes all the sense on Earth. And okay, just sort of spinning out from that, um, you mentioned at the top of the show, I already kind of obliquely commented on it, but I just, I want to put a star on how much I love the moment where, where, Keichiro is just explaining that he can't go after two things at once, and he knows it. Like, it's just when he says, I, I know it's not ideal. And I I died. Because <laughs> Kosei Yuki, the, the, the guy playing Keichiro, that was an amazing line delivery. There was, you understood this whole world of meaning and longing and yearning and at least i did i i can't speak for everyone i saw it there because it just the way he said i know it's not ideal the way he delivers the line the look on his face his body language it it just feels like this is a thing cage rose done before or failed to do before and and like, I know we say it often here, it's hard to give credit to any single person, because you never know who helped make the moment happen, because maybe that's the director helping out, maybe Arakawa's like, okay, this is what this is what he's thinking about in this moment, but etc., etc., but it's up there just as one of the great Sentai moments. It's up there with, honestly, all the intense emotional moments that are... Uh, respective favorites had in Q in Q Ranger to pick a recent example. Just it's I know it's not ideal. How did they pack so much into such a small line? It, like it's a short line. It's not even a second. But you know Keichiro in that moment. Kosayuki is great, and he had such an amazing performance in this episode. And I kind of want to give a little to Arakawa because it's got this very certain tone that comes from kind of the era of Sentai where he was he did a lot more work than he currently does. What came to mind to me was this bit in the Cinderella episode of Bokenger, Everyone Take Your Shot where Sakura asks the stepsister like who made the rule that girls who aren't Cinderella don't deserve to be happy? And that's that's an Aikawa bit. That's not an Arakawa bit. But it's it rings very much to that kind of moment and the that kind of moment that was in that era of Sentai. It's a very Deka Ranger, a very like Maji Ranger, a Geki Ranger kind of feeling where it's this very soft human moment that isn't about this greater fight. Or some kind of colossal tragedy, either personal or external, to bring it back to, you know, Naga and Stinger, where, you know, Naga's kind of got this great personal inner tragedy of being unable to understand himself, and Stinger's got this whole, like, loss of his people, and dealing with that through the loss of his brother. This is very small, kind of... 
it's a much smaller scale of thing that just happens to people where it's he's just like sometimes you can't do the thing you want because life's not fair and you've gotta you've gotta prioritize and i mean like like you're you were saying it's just so sweet and sad and i love it yeah it's just it's so good um, but to, to shift gears a little, I do love that even though he's like, hey, we have hard evidence that those kids aren't the Lupin Rangers, right? Yeah, yeah, we, we saw them in one place and you saw them in another. And Keitro's still suspicious of the Jira group, because he's like, he's adding things up in his head and he's like, but she wasn't on the battlefield. How was she in the dream? And, like, the numbers don't quite add up right, and, like, this is something I'm really excited to see how it unfolds and how the dynamics will change once the identities of the Lupins are out in the open. Like, I, yeah, I am similarly excited. I, I honestly just kind of hope we get one of those bits where it's him and either, like, Kyrie or Umika sitting across a table together, because, you know, Toma's back in the kitchen, but... All of them know that Keiichiro knows, and they all still have to pretend it's a normal day, even though they're just, they're, they're like locking eyes and things are all intense. Because you don't see the, I know that you know, and you know that I know, but we both know I can't do anything about it for now. Like, one of those moments just creates such good tension and you don't see it often and i i love them i love them so much but the best part is just to sort of get back to the the scene that actually happened his 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 thought his his but she wasn't there but lupin yellow was what's up with that like that's based on some reasonable fair play detective work that yeah the audience could pick up on it it gives you a chance to see the game of cat and mouse, but also because you know we know what's going on, but we get to watch him figure it out in a way that's really satisfying and doesn't feel like I just have this feeling for reasons. No, it's he has a feeling because something's messed up here. What's going on? It's I don't know. It's it's nice to see that the Lupins can't fool everyone all the time especially not the Pat Rangers, who are excellent detectives, except, of course, for Sakuya, who is also there and sucks. I Look, apparently Sakuya is going to be the new Kamen Rider Drive on this show, where we just find reasons, where I, anyway, find reasons to just, like, put him down. I mean, like, look, I'm mad that he didn't give Jim tea that Jim didn't want. Yeah, yeah, Jim doesn't need it. <laughs> but... Yeah, no, I'm I I feel like there are probably going to be times going forward, Sono, dear listener, where um I get a little unfair, but at the same time, it's not that unfair cuz uh Saki really does suck. At the He's same not. time, like I've been wildly betrayed by him being the Green Ranger. So Yeah, you know, this is this is kind of Drive 2.0. They took things we like and then they just, they made something bad happen. Uh, I honestly, the more I like the Pat Rangers, the less I like him. 
We're like this this time at least I'm not in this place where I have to be like, but maybe it won't keep being bad. Yeah, no. We, because we... it's not the whole show and I have other things that I enjoy here. Yeah, where drive it was just everything was bad, so I had to lie to myself for a year. You know, and it's what you gotta do sometimes. Especially since it would actually be have been really easy for Drive to not be bad. Yeah, it would have. Um, Just like it would be easy for them to make Sakia not suck. It would. But here we are. Um, yep. But moving moving into 18, because we're talking about good things. Yes, sorry. Uh, My bad. I, I kind are, of... Are we just going to change, like, the... the bad parts opening to just like here's what sakuya did this week can we have sakuya watch yes cool I, it is it is nerd law to, starting in two weeks we're, we're starting sakuya watch we're gonna add well, hey, another you segment know, you've got you've got the look at the lupin collection i'll be on sakuya watch but moving into 18 i kind of adore that we've circled back to the like alpaca oni brothers yes I, Again, it's this net of thread of like narrative consistency and things existing outside of just when we see them in an episode that makes this really full, believable world where the stakes feel like they mean something. And it's it's thematically nice since, you know, we first come to them with this thing that happened off camera. So they've they've kind of always existed outside of the the time constraints of an episode. Yeah, cuz Look, sometimes when you're fighting a giant monster in your giant robot in the middle of a forest you be you believe to be abandoned, sometimes you just accidentally squish a human-sized monster. It just and who knows what that's going to kick off? Vengeance, violence, terrible things. People just just go being like, "Yeah, sure, he's giant, whatever. Bye." This is stupid, but so this is stupid, but I like you owing me favors. Yeah. I love her so much. I do too. I also I I feel like we've mentioned this in the past, but I it's especially important in this episode. I do appreciate that Good Striker can just be like, "Hey, no," and shut the whole robot fight down if he doesn't like what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Like I I don't honestly think like we've talked a lot about that because I don't think it's come up so much. But I am here for that because look, he's part of the team. And if you don't want to listen to him, he'll take his ginormous robot body and go home. He does not care. Because Good Striker goes on, he goes on feeling. That's what he do. Yeah. And if he's like, oh, nope, this has, this has a Lupin collection. I can't let you kill him right now. Bye. No, you're not murdering my friend. Later. No, but you have to let us murder this, this monster. Nope. No, I don't. No, I don't. Bye. No, I don't. See ya. I, I like his ability to know about. Also, the the information that we got on the Lupin collection in this episode was actually really interesting. Yeah. That, you know, they come from wherever the gangler are from, and somehow Lupin got them all. And then just, he loved Goody so much that he came to life as the best of all boys. And then somehow the gangler stole, like, 80% of the Lupin collection back. Like, there's just enough information to give us context on, like, on Goody and what he's feeling. 
but not quite enough to, like, solve that whole mystery. But it's also just enough that I don't feel like we got shortchanged on information, and I want to, like, I'm excited about the mystery and I want to know more, instead of being frustrated by, like, how it doesn't make sense. Because, again, I'm looking at you, Zamigo. How are you getting info about the cops? You're the least subtle person in Japan right now. Yeah, and... Dude just seems incapable of not, like, flash-freezing everything he comes into contact with. Like, mm hmm. But I, I do, I agree with you there. And I just, I think a lot of it is that it's not the the coy mystery box nonsense where they just kind of get in your face and be like, Oh dear, however did this happen? Gosh, wouldn't we all like to know? Hmm. Just, they're not making a show of it. They're not being Magic Brian, just like, Mwah. it's It's just leaving some interesting information out there where it's hard for the people who are interested in solving a mystery not to be like, oh, hey, that's a mystery. What's, hmm, what's up with that? And they start making notes, and then the conspiracy board comes out. But at the same time, they're not doing this big dance in front of the people who don't engage on that level and demanding that they engage it's just saying hey here's here's the information pick how you want to take this information we're all gonna get there eventually it's 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 i don't know it's it's letting it's meeting the it's meeting people where they are instead of making the whole show dance around screaming about how clever the writers are because Boy, you see a lot of shows where they're like, yes, tell me how clever I am. I'm oh so clever. And it just, it never, never works because it's always bad. And like Sakuya sucks real bad. Apparently I'm really mad at Sakuya. It's, it's fair because he's easy to be mad at. Um, yeah, he's, anyway, go on. But we, speaking, speaking of Gosh and how much we love her, it was really cool to see her and Destra like really interacting and kind of their begrudging cooperation with each other. And it reminds me a little bit of what we got a couple of times with Azald and Naria in kind of the latter bits of Zuoger, and just how much more you and I were interested in them when they interacted yeah. instead of just existed in the same place. And, like, sure, it was a different dynamic because Azald and Naria were just kind of having a good time hanging out and Gaush and Destra seemed to not be able to stand each other. But seeing the two of them bounce off of each other outside of being with Dogranio, as great as he is, is really kind of fascinating because they don't have to play nice in front of the boss. And you can see how much Gaush is just like, this is stupid and I hate your plans. But again, I like you owing me favors. I mean, this is a dude who appears to be a grenade elemental, and he carries a rocket hammer. That's a dude you want in your pocket if you got one. And they also kind of, ha interestingly enough, I, don't, I doubt Komura had anything to do with this, but they have kind of a swapped color palette of Narya and Azald. Like, uh, Gauch, is, Gauch is all blue, and, like, she's all kind of blue and black and silver, and Azald was all blue and black and silver, where uh, Naria was kind of, like, all kinds of greens and kind of warmer colors, and he's all, and Destra is all greens and warmer colors. I'd not made that connection, but high five, good call there. Um, again, I'm, I'm sure it's completely a coincidence, uh, just because, you know, primary colors. 
Yeah, I mean, and and Tigranio has his whole color story going on. Yeah, it, but, but still, it, it just the two of them kind of once again feel like Komura leaning into her previous work and learning from it and improving upon it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this whole show has very much been like you watch it and it's, oh, I see what you learned from your time on Zhuojer because there are a lot of bits that feel like callbacks. And I, I but to to get back to Gosh and Destra, like I do hope we get to see them. I just have a a chill episode, like where they have to go out, make it like that that episode of Agretsuko, where the hey, there's a big office party. All all of us gangsters are gonna go out drinking, and I just I just want to see them just get hammered and then just I don't know do whatever it is they do. I just think it'd be fun. Uh, I do I do want to see them like in their downtime. Yeah, just what do they what do they do? What are they like? So I kind of love the bit where they're all in in Jurer and talking about like, oh, we we gotta we gotta figure out what's going on, and Goody's just kind of like hanging out and like poking at the hanging basket and kind of doing his own thing. Like he's he's just really cute. It's it's really true, and honestly, I have to say like much love to everyone on the special effects and and really just the whole goody side of things because i'm surprised at how much emotion they can get out of this this little toy person when he's just this chunky nonsense honestly kind of ugly brick of a toy he's he's not he does not look like a good toy i'm sorry i'm a toy nerd i'm just like it's it's not great at the same time he is my favorite adorable puppet toy sidekick character since Mandora Boy in Magic Ranger. Which is saying something, because I really like Ticket, but he's better than Ticket. Sorry, he's got, he like, he's got pathos and stuff. It's amazing. It shouldn't work. I love Ticket, but Ticket was also really mean to Wagon. That's true. That's so I'm so a little true. biased. Yeah. Um, but it, it really is amazing how much body language they get out of him, and it kind of reminds me of how Doggy Kruger's big dog head doesn't actually really move or change beyond opening and closing the mouth, but depending on the angle they shoot him from and kind of the body language of the suit actor, he's got this, like, kind of crazy variety of expressions. Or, or the other go-to example, uh, Momotaros on Denno. Oh god, yeah. Because you, again, you always know what he's feeling. There's a ton of depth of expression, even though there is one expression. <laughs> it's, it is one mask. Sometimes they, like, put, uh, they, they paste on fake eye, uh, eyelids on the eyes. That's it. Everything else is, like you said, body language and camera angle. But they know how to do that it's so impressive yeah and you know all of this backstory and personality for good striker is really kind of welcome and does a lot to bring him in as more than just kind of the puppet toy mascot that is the core of the robot it explains why he reacts to the collection the way he does why he's so excited being like oh oh scissors and blade i missed them so much and why he treats them as if they're sentient the way he is because he wasn't and he became 
sentient because someone loved and trusted him. So he's gonna love the other collection pieces to life, even if he has to do it by himself. And that's adorable. It really is. And and kind of um, Herbie the love bug, now you think about it. Like, because that's, that's the secret origin of Herbie. Like, someone loved that car until it just came alive and said, yeah, I love you too, dude. And I, I love that he's just, yeah, I, I was loved into life. I will love everything else into life. Oh, man. it's. I mean, I know that this is like a thing that sort of exists in the, the I, uh, pop mythology. I don't really know how to describe it, but sort of in the folk mythos of of stuff that's going on in Japan, but I'm, I'm talking about it now, and all I can think of is uh, Daimajin Canon, because uh, there's there's a bit in there where you meet a bunch of, of characters who are various just things that were loved so well by, by humans that they were so filled with gratitude for that love that they stopped being, like, a television. One of, one of them's a television who was loved so well that it turned into a person and just goes out into the world to try and make it better because it likes humans so darn much. Dimension Cannon is great. <laughs> like, it's, it, it is a wild ride, and it's basically the, the head writer on... Not the head writer, um, oh, what's his name? The, the head producer from Hibiki, uh, from the first part of Hibiki, after he got kicked off. Like, and half the show is, like, him dealing with that. Because it's, it's this girl who's really disillusioned, and she's kind of angry because her boyfriend sold... Like, she had this song that her grandmother would sing to her, and she'd sing it to herself. And it was, you know, a very beautiful thing. And then her boyfriend took the song, played around with it, and had the girl he was cheating on her with... uh sing it as part of his band and she just gets really like you stole you stole my song dude what the hell yeah and then at the end and then like in the second season she like meets the girl and is like yeah but you know you you did something of your own with it and i was mad but i'm not mad anymore because you didn't take away the thing that was mine i was just sad that i got betrayed like that yeah go see Dimension canon it is the best show about tokusatsu monsters that almost never fight because it's it's by the guy who did hibiki uh, uh takadera uh, shigenori takadera who was also the the producer on kuga so now that's me bringing it back around uh it's it's such a sweet show it's just it's a show about people learning to be good to each other anyway let's get back to the main show, because otherwise I'm just going to talk about how much I love Dimension Cannon. Uh, but yeah, Good Striker just makes me think of that, because he's like Herbie the Love Bug. And I don't know about y'all, I grew up watching Herbie the Love Bug on like endless videotape things, because I always thought VW Bugs are just adorable cars. They are. But also all of this kind of backstory and explanation of why Goody is the way he is kind of leans into why also he goes where he feels he's most wanted. Because being wanted and cared for is what made him alive. So being wanted makes him happy. So he goes to where he's wanted. 
he is truly the goodest striker. He really is. I cannot imagine a better striker. Also, just everyone walking out of Jurer and Kogure being baffled, being like, oh, Kogure, take care of the place while we're gone, and he's like, how? Like, that's that's a great joke. It really, especially, like, when you see him just holding up the apron, like, what? Like, so, I put this on, that's all you guys do here, right? <laughs> Is yeah, wear this. It- I have to say, though, I appreciate that it lets us know what the limits of his responsibilities are back at uh, Casa de Lupin. Because, like, yeah, he does butler stuff. He doesn't cook. Though, like, now I say that, I really want to see a series that is the household staff at Tokusatsu Lupin's Manor. Like, it's Downton Abbey meets Super Sentai, and you know you want in on that. Oh, yeah, I do. Because... <laughs> I don't know, just tons of fancy tuxedos and stuff, and also occasionally, like, uh, supervillain in the death trap. It's your turn! Nope, sorry, I outrank you. Go clean him out. Also, the the bit of goody forlornly swinging on the swing set, using his oh tiny God, little jets yes. to propel himself just enough so that he is swinging forlornly on the swing set, is absolutely precious. Yes. And then you get that bit, like, him and Kyrie have their whole, like, heart-to-heart, and then do the little, like, he Kyrie does a little fist bump with him. That's adorable. This is the precious Sentai content that I keep coming back for. Yeah, same, honestly. Because, okay, it's a weird thing to have happen, because if you just explain it to someone who hasn't watched it, it's like, what, he fist bumps the toy? It It sounds so fakey and dumb and bad but the way they did it cements that this is that goody is a part of a real world and that the people in this real world have relationships with weird jet car toy things outside of just being a sentai no goody striker is a real person just is a he's a little jet car and it's, it's just so weird that because they've leaned into and accepted that reality as the thing they're doing in this show, yeah, we have this real intimate moment between people, this moment of real, true connection between, like, a 19-year-old and a toy on a swing. <laughs> Though, again, like, I, I mentioned how good uh, the dude playing... Uh, Keichiro is, hats off to the kid playing Kyrie here, because this is a tough thing to sell with any kind of with any kind of conviction, but he does. And I feel like, because I publicly doubted him back at the start of the show, it is only right that I acknowledge that he's a big part of what sells me on a scene that honestly should have been painful to watch, because again, you just describe what happens in it, and it sounds terrible. It really works way better than it should, especially when you think about how he's not really getting lines fed back to him, at least not the way that we are hearing them, having, you know, Goody's voice actor, ADR, and having it edited in. Like, he's essentially acting opposite Roger Rabbit, which is hard. Yeah, yeah. 
and like he 100% sells that he's having this really emotional conversation with this brick of plastic that someone put on a swing set. Yeah, it it shouldn't work and like we've all seen movies where real like capital R capital A real actors have completely biffed selling talking to this thing that is not there. Like all if all acting is reacting, some people can't react to a thing that is not literally in front of them. The guy the kid playing Kyrie, he can. That's amazing. And like the the bit at the end where, you know, before Goody leaves and they're like, Oh, you do really have all these emotions and Kyrie's just kind of turning him in his hand. And you know that's what it is. Like Goody's not moving. It's just Asahi Ito like turning his wrist every now and then. And yet it works so well that it's it is so impressive. Um and look, to switch gears entirely, I also want to throw some love out to Nakazawa Shojiro for the fight for the 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 giant robot fight at the end of the episode, particularly since they have a fight inside the robot during the robot fight. The whole fight inside the robot thing isn't an element to the show that you see very often. Like, in this show, in most Sentai, you don't get a lot of, let's have a fight in the confined space that is our giant robot. And even when you do, I've not seen one this good. I honestly can't think of any other ones. Yeah, like, the only other one I can think of is... Is like when I'd see bits of Zhu Ranger when Barai, like he's mind controlled and he just shows up in their robot and wrecks oh, them and throws them out. Oh god, right, that happened. <laughs> I completely forgot about that. Yeah, I mean, it's a good moment, but it's not this one, which is because it one ups that because it's not just, oh hey, the, the bad guy jumps in and, and kicks them out of their own robot. It's they have to fight a giant monster while fighting each other. Like, the way they, they, like, switch who's sitting where. <laughs> like, just the weird escalation of it was so satisfying, because they would have those breaks to pilot the robot so the black sheep doesn't wreck them. And then it's, okay, are we safe for the moment? Cool, I'm going to shoot this guy. <laughs> I mean, especially since he came in and stole part of the transformation. It just... Hey, what's up, Patty? You go, nope, you're not the head. I'm forming the head. What's up, guys? I do like that uh, Goody's costume is not dependent on which red he's using. Uh, that's that's a neat little non-red-centric thing, because um, we all know how I feel about that. But there's also just, there's this bit where they forget for like half a second that they're enemies because they land a hit on the bigger bad. <laughs> And they're all like, oh, yeah, we did it. High fives. Oh, no, wait, not you. <laughs> um, it's it's this kind of great moment of, hey, these dumb jerks can work together and they probably should. Yeah. Like, they just kind of got to get over this first. Which, I mean, in fairness, it's it's a not inconsiderable hurdle. <laughs> they're, they're the Zanagatas. He's Lupin. I get it. And... Again, like, it's not like we haven't seen them work together before, and it's not like occasionally Zanagata and Lupin don't work together. We just we just watched Castle of Cagliostro over here. There There is some prime Zanagata content in that one. 
the the currently running Lupin series has uh, the first story arc in it has some really great uh, Lupin and Zenigata. Yeah, do teamwork. Yeah, do the the previous season has uh, less, but there are some amazing moments. Seriously, Lupin and Zenigata is one of my favorite pop culture figure relationships. However, you want to read it, I don't judge here. This is one where I will not judge. Well, I, unless you think they're not friends. Yeah, oh, they're absolutely they are they are best friends. Like re- regardless they, of what else is going on in their relationship, they are best friends. Zenigata's just gotta keep trying to arrest him because yeah, that's his job. Hey, but you know, I, I my favorite thing is that Lupin's like. Nah, dude, I, I get it. I get that. It's cool. I'm not mad. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of clowning on you all the time, but also, I only clown on you because I know how good you are. It's like, it's just because I care. You're a cop. I'm a criminal. <laughs> we have to do this. And if we didn't, honestly, I think we'd both, neither of us would respect each other half as much. But it's it's just so... Yeah, it is so good, those moments where, high five, high five, wait, no, not you, not you. We're not friends. It's, it's just, like, we talk a lot on this show, maybe not as much as we should even, but I feel like we try to mention it every week that we do this show, but the fights in this show, even the giant robot fights, are so good, and they raise the bar for modern Sentai, because... I mean, this is how you make the robot fight more than just as as just the way you end the episode. It's not obligatory. They make the robot fight a plot point that is good. Yeah. The the whole bit is really incredible. Like aside from the fight itself, it opens a lot of doors for how to use this robot in the future. Mm-hmm. Cuz like the whole bit was a lot of fun and it had so much energy and for once it really kept me engaged during the giant robot fight because I kind of tune out a little during that usually. It's, but it's not like, uncommon. It's like, oh, you actually, you can stick, uh, you can stick kind of the police ones with the, the Lupin Ranger ones. You can really kind of do this however is necessary and they all kind of got to begrudgingly work together, which again, you know, Gauch and Destra got to begrudgingly work together. Uh, there's a lot of narrative loops going on, and I like it. Yeah, yeah, I'm here for it. Wait, a lot of narrative lupins? Yes. <laughs> sorry. Oh, wow, that was terrible. I am so sorry. No, I I'm, I'm actually not. I'm not. Sorry, not sorry. We're not sorry for anything on this show. Yeah, nope. Um, so, this is a, a small thing, uh, but watching both episodes back-to-back, I noticed it. Um, in both episodes, they have these moments where they kind of fall out of the robot, and uh, in in 17, Tsukasa, like, Keitro gets himself in a spot where Tsukasa lands on him, and in 18, he catches her, and I'm sure on some level it's because Tsukasa is, like, air quotes, the girl TM, and we gotta, like, she she's not capable of hitting the ground without, like, exploding or whatever. Um, but I'm choosing to believe it's that he's prioritizing the safety of his teammates. And he's like, I'm gonna hit the ground first and then make sure that my team doesn't get hurt. And he's like, mm, can't catch them both, gonna go for the one that actually cares about her job. 
I mean, look, we, we both love our Toei Tokusatsu shows, but it's not like we're ever going to pretend there's not some stuff in there that happens because someone on some kind of check-signing level is a massive sexist jerk. So if we can find some some relatively benign bits and turn them into characterization and and just lie to ourselves on that front, I mean, look, let's I let's do it because frankly we're going to have enough of enough stuff on our plate just cataloging all the ways that Sakuya is bad. Yeah. And should not be anywhere. Well, I am interested in the plot of the next episode. <laughs> okay, you saw it too. Yeah. Oh, that's... Yeah, I mean... We're gonna have fun in two weeks, you guys. Yeah, yeah. Cause, I mean, like, um... it's not gonna last, but there's gonna no. be some bits in that episode that we're gonna have fun with, I can tell. Absolutely. I mean, because, yeah, it's not gonna be, oh, hey, you, you can't be a Pat Ranger anymore. Why? Because you keep harassing people. This is... We've warned you off-screen. And on-screen. Yeah, true, true. Well, I don't think I've... I don't think, well, no, it, the other two are his superiors. So, yes, we have seen his superiors give him a verbal warning. So, I feel like, at the very least, like, hey, you're suspended. But, yeah. Man, he's just... He sucks and is bad at everything. Even when he's good at stuff, somehow he's also bad at it. Yeah. Man, it's fun busting on him. Well, I think that's all for for my high points in the in the notes. Do you have any last minute ones you want to drop in? Uh, no, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, I'm ready to look at the Lupin collection if you are. Absolutely, please do. Okay, so I had to actually like research these two uh, because they both come from eras of Sentai that I am the least familiar with: the late '80s and the late '90s. Mm. Uh, I am. Only marginally familiar with the mid '90s, but you know, there's I'm I'm not super familiar with old Sentai, but Seventeen has a repainted version of the Masky Blade, which is Red Mask's weapon in Mask Man. Uh, though comparing photos of the two, uh, Long Long at Long seems like it, they probably maybe repainted and remodeled one of the toys because it's a lot smaller and blockier looking. Which you know, I mean. That happens. happens. Um, 18's piece of the Lupin collection comes from a very beloved late 90s Sentai that I haven't seen yet but would love to, Car Ranger. Car Ranger! Uh, like, I, all I can ever think is the, uh, oh, what is it? Uh, the Gokaiger episode. It's a really good Ranger. episode. That's a yeah. really good episode of Gokaiger. Uh, but it, it's the Car Navic. Which is used to find something. I read a little about what the car navic is for, and it's they use it to find things, and they built it to find some like invisible enemy or something. Also, it turns into their gun. Yes, um, which I guess makes sense because it is uh, having project. It is having you know projectiles shot out of him find their target. Yeah, no, it's it's because the the thing on the image I'm looking at here is. LCD scope DX. So, yeah, it's got a scope. So, of course, it helps you target. Makes sense. So uh, that's that's our looping collection for this episode. All right. Uh, so then, uh, as sort of our last thing, uh, what sorts of 
uh, things, you let's do our predictions and talk about the sorts of things we'd like to see the show have in store for us in the future. Yeah. As is kind of the nature of the evolution of this section, this is more of uh, what I hope will happen than an actual like prediction with some grounding. I mean, but that's, I'm... that's who we are. I'm really hoping that we get an episode of the Pot Rangers kind of having this sit down with Goody the way we did in the Lupin Rangers uh, during this episode, because Goody's a good boy, and he got he got treated a little rough by them this episode, so I'd kind of like for, you know, Keitra to kind of sit down and apologize and being like, hey, I just, you know, there was the mission, and maybe I shouldn't have done it that way, and just have them get to know him a little better. I would be a-okay with this. And and for my part, uh, first, I want to renew my interest in the possibility that there will be a bit, probably near the end, where Keichiro has been told that he can't arrest the folks at Jura, or and after Umika or Kairi have found out that he knows who they are, and so we just get that tense bit of lunch where, like, Keichiro is just white-knuckle gripping the table and being aggressively polite, while the Lupins are kind of being aggressively polite back because they know he knows that he knows that they know. Just, yes, I would love the lunch set. Thank you. Just one of those sorts of things. Just everything through gritted teeth. Um, and, and look, since we're hoping... I hope that we can be done with the cage row who cares more about catching lupins than doing the right thing. Because like you said earlier, Sono, like littering is one thing, but being that kind of a jerk to Goody, just, it can't happen again. It just cannot. It must not be allowed. Because like, look, again, they got me past my instinctive anti-authority figure kick to feel like cage row might be one of the best characters in Sentai, period. And then in the next episode, they have him treating another sapient being who's never been anything but his ally, even when he's working with his, with Keitro's putative enemies, just like a thing, and I'm not okay with it. Yes. I, yeah. I Look, again, I love the Lupins. They are hella cool, and I am a sucker for that kind of performative coolness, if you do it right, which they do. But they're not my favorites. <laughs> Keichiro is the best. Tsukasa is the best, and Sakuya is also there. Sakuya does exist. Yes. But just... It's, I... it's, it's that Luka problem, where I want to like him, because one, he's the green, and he has... He is shown, on rare occasions, these other traits that I'm like, Oh, this is really interesting. Mm, but there you go, being gross. Yeah, no, I... Again, like, I, I will admit... I will not even admit, just, you know, I don't see Luca the same way you do, even as I do completely understand where you're coming from. But, yeah. Like, like at I least in Luca's case, I want, I want to like her in spite of that. Because, like, I know she's got more going on, and I know it's not like meant to be this malicious like i understand perfectly what they want that to be yeah yeah like Which, i understand again, clearly like crystal clear what they want that behavior to represent and i'm like but also she keeps punching her weaker friend which like look when once you point it out like that it's hard like i can't say no that's 
which of course is the fun part about criticism just as a as as a way of doing things as a as an art form because when a proper when a good bit of criticism comes your way it changes the thing it gives you new perspective it's powerful and i thank you for that yeah it's it's like i i get luca and i want i want to like her because on every other level she's a character archetype that i love and like she's she's the kind of character that normally i get super into but she never stops trying to punch her friends yeah like even as she grows as a character that never stops even after she has that whole body swap episode with don and i'm like okay it's going to stop now like everything's going to be fine i can finally like build a relationship with this character and then the next episode she tries to hit him and i'm like nope that's it you blew it you blew it it's over like they can't even like they haven't even written him with those bits where you can see like oh i'm supposed to be taking it like actually no they have i can see that i'm supposed yes. to be taking him like oh he's a charming doof who loves the ladies but um boy they didn't do it in a way that that sold it to me yeah see like the the thing with luca is i understand the rationale for her behavior because there's more to her as a person, and I know that that's a fully yeah. formed 48 episode series, and this were only 18 episodes in, but I feel like 18 episodes in, I kind of grasped that side of Luca, where it's like, oh, she's she's kind of had this really tough past, and this is her way of putting up a front, and she kind of pushes people away because she doesn't, she can't get hurt if she's not attached to anyone. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I get that, and that's, I'm normally a sucker for that, but please stop trying to punch this dude that could not hurt you if he tried. I wish you had a second personality trait that appeared Where Saki is just like, you're frustrating, and I don't like you. (laughs) Like, more than, I wish you had a second personality trait that existed beyond being told you have this second personality trait. I mean, he has the thing where he's loyal to his friends, and it's like, Congratulations, this is, you have, you are a Sentai member. He has this thing where he's loyal to his friends, except, you know, that bit where he very creepily, like, corners Sakuya on that movie set, or corners Keichiro on that movie set. Boy, that was a bad episode. Kind of in this, this, I want to say, like, gross parody of how he sees the only other woman he works with. I, I look, I feel like that's a fair cop so i don't it, i don't like him he upsets no. me yeah that's that's fair so then keep on the lookout next time for sakia watch and i think that's about it so for laser knees and the rest of the toll network i'm Aleph. and i'm sona and don't get kicked by a horse and die